Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. Well, as I said, Phil kind of stole my opening, uh, my opening line, which is great, which is great. Uh, so today's message, I, I think it's, you know, appropriate message for Independence Day. We're, gonna, we're going to read a very familiar passage of Scripture in John chapter 8. The title of today's message is Free Indeed. So if you have your Bibles, um, I, wanna, I don't have it on the PowerPoint because I want to read just a, a passage of Scripture, and I really just want you to, to listen. And because a lot of times when we hear or read a familiar passage, sometimes we just gloss over it. But I really want to look at this passage today from, from John chapter 8. And specifically verses 31 through 44, we're not going to, we're going to read them all. But I want to talk today about freedom, what it means to be truly free. And today I want to focus on some warning signs that you may have bought into the lie of the enemy. So some warning signs that you may have bought into the lie of the enemy. And I'll give those to you now. There's three of them. I actually had four. Uh, one didn't make the cut. Actually, two didn't make the cut, so we've pared it down to three. So number one is going to be denying the situation. They all start with D, denying the situation. Number two, deciding to sin. Denying the situation, deciding to sin. And then the last one, dismissing the Scripture or dismissing the Word. So John chapter 8, verse 37 says, I'm sorry, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Now notice this. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to Jews who believed him. Now, at the time, they weren't able to believe to the point of, of having salvation like we do to today, but because Jesus had not yet died, Jesus had not yet been buried and risen. But these were believers under the old covenant. So it says that Jesus said to those who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man whom God has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, and I have come of myself, but he sent. I have not come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Father God, I thank you today for your word. 
Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take the words spoken today. Lord, that your word is eternal. This is eternal truth we're going to talk about today. This isn't something that's just popular one day and gone the next. But this is the word of God that lives forever. It's alive. So God, I ask by your spirit that you would penetrate hearts today, that you would begin to convince and draw and shape and form and, and, and start to uh, bring things to the surface, Lord, that we may have bought into the lies of the enemy and not even known it. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to do your work as only you can today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the main verse is obviously found. Let's go to, where's our, go to the next slide. Uh, found in verse 36. I'll put the NIV up here. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free what? Indeed. Free indeed. What's that mean? What's it mean to be free indeed? Well, it means of a certainty or of a truth. And I wanted to put a few other translations up here just so you can see them. Some other, uh, just to help bring clarity to the, to the word. The NLT says you are truly free. The NLV says you will be free for sure. The ERV says you are really free. The Amplified says you are unquestionably free. And I like this. The message says you are free through and through. So here's what I know. When Jesus sets you free, he just doesn't, he just doesn't want to set you free so that you can go to heaven one day. Right? It's true that we've been set free from something, but Jesus really wants to set us free to become something. He has big plans for you. He just doesn't want you to get free just to lollygag around for the next 30, 40 years. See, he wants to set you free through and through. And here's the reality I know. We sing these songs like, I am who he, what? Says I am, I am free indeed. Right? I am who he says I am, and then I go out and live like the devil says I am. Or I go out and live like my friends say I am. And so there's this truth that you are, when you accept Jesus, you are positionally free. You are judicially free. You've been set free. There's no condemnation. There's no law against you. There's nothing against you. There's nothing that can be brought against you that Jesus hasn't paid for. You're free. But the other side of that is not all Christians who are free indeed live in freedom. That's the truth. See, Paul in Galatians chapter 5, now in context, let me just clarify, Paul is talking about freedom from the law. Galatians 4, Galatians 5 is talking about law and grace. But the principle is true of bondage in general. He says, he says that, Christ has set us free for freedom. Christ has set us free, right? We're free indeed. Why did he set us free? For freedom. He said he set you free so you could live a free life. Christ has set us free for freedom. And then he goes on to say, stand firm, stand firm, and do not go back again, again, under the yoke of bondage or the yoke of slavery. So what, it, what he's saying, he's talking about the law, but it's really true of anything, right? You can be set free positionally, but experientially still be in bondage. You can be free, stand before God, righteous, holy, everything's clean on the inside. But just like the people at the time of, of Paul's time were going back under the law and being back, brought back under bondage of the law, 
you can go back under bondage to the very thing that Jesus has set you free from. And, and it happens very subtly. It happens very subtly. Sometimes you don't even know it. And so today I really want to look at how or what are some symptoms. You know, I told you a few weeks ago that, that I ended up getting COVID, right? And some of you are like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I actually had a really, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good COVID. It was a bad COVID. But <laughs> if there is such a thing as good COVID, right? Now, so I, I had gotten, I got my first vaccine, and it was like middle of March, and we get to the end of March, and all of a sudden, I just got this, two weeks later, I get this awful headache. Like, it's just pounding. Of course, I tell my wife, ah, I got another headache. The next thing you know, I can't breathe. Oh, my sinuses are acting up. And then I'm just super tired, and, and I, I, I just got to admit, I was the super spreader pastor that did a wedding that weekend. I'll let you figure out whose wedding it was. It's the last, last weekend of March. So we do a wedding rehearsal. We, we do a wedding, and then I preach Sunday morning, and I'm just wiped out. And then all of a sudden, Sunday night, I go to grind the coffee, and oh, my gosh, I can't smell the coffee. All right? So there were symptoms of an issue, but I didn't really put them all together. And sometimes when we just have one symptom here or one symptom there, we don't realize we're in bondage till we start to put a couple different symptoms together. And so I didn't really realize until I had this culmination of symptoms that, hey, I don't want to admit it. I might have it. And so today, you know, if I, could, I just really want to just maybe give you some highlights out of this passage of things that how the enemy kind of sneaks in. Okay, so we know that Christ sets us free. Uh, and when we're free, we're what? Free indeed. But before we get free indeed, Jesus says another word indeed a few verses earlier. And, and it's, it's a verse we, uh, we quote a lot of times. It's John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth. All right, everybody knows that one, right? What's the verse before it? Nobody knows that one. <laughs> All right, let's... Uh, don't, uh, all right, so the verse, John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. What word does verse 32 start with? And you shall know the truth. Let me do it again. What word does this verse start with? And you shall know the truth. And, all right. So if it starts with and, guess what it's connected to? It's connected to 31, right? It's a conjunction, 31 and 32. So it says, and Jesus said to those uh, those who believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So a lot of times we just skip over, oh, well, the truth will set me free. Well, that's a true statement, but there's something that has to happen prior to that. Jesus says, if you abide, if you abide in my word, what does that mean? The word abide is from, from the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O, which means to dwell. It means to remain. It means to stay put. See, it actually can mean, it can mean to, to, to remain in the same place. It can, it, can, it can refer to place. It can refer to time, like duration. It can also refer to condition. And so what he's saying, he says, you need to stay put. You need to dwell. You need to remain in my word. What does that mean? Does that mean that, oh my gosh, 
I'm walking around here. I'm in the Word. I'm in the Word. Hey, I'm in the Word. That's not practical, right? No. I can't go around because I've got, I've got a wife, I've got kids, I've got work, I've got you name it. So I can't literally abide in the Word. But to abide in the Word means that it doesn't mean that I got my face in the Word 24-7, but that I'm allowing the Word to work on me 24-7, and I'm allowing it to influence my life 24-7, and I'm submitting to myself to whatever it says or the Holy Spirit says. See, too often what we want to do is we want to go camping in the Word. We want to set up a tent for a few days and then say, oh, done with that, I'm on to my next campsite. See, Jesus wants you to build a house in the Word. He wants you to stay put. The word dwell means to, to, to build an abode. Yeah, we want something temporary. I don't want to commit to that. I always joke with my wife. She's very non-committal. I was lucky to get her to even commit to me. But she did, thank God. But you know, we don't want to commit. But Jesus says, I want you to abide in my Word. Well, who else is the Word? This is the Word, right? Logos, the Word. John tells us what? It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, and the Word, who was God, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Imagine that, that the Word is actually full of truth. Jesus later says in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me or except by me. See, sometimes truth is very narrow. See, it's not always the popular decision. Jesus doesn't say, I am a way, a life, and, and a truth. He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth. That I am the only way. There's no other way. And and and. and and so what happens a lot of times when we think, well, I know the truth because it's what everybody believes, right? Well, truth is not always what's popular. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's true. Sometimes people say, well, truth is whatever you want it to be, right? It's subjective to you. Personal truth. If it's not God's word, it's not truth. See, Jesus just didn't have a little truth. He just didn't have partial truth. That's another one we fall for. Oh, well, it's partially true. It must be true. Is that true? No. Because a little bit of an untruth makes the whole thing, guess what? Untrue. I feel like if I gave you a nice piece of chocolate pie and I just slid a little of Grayson's doo-doo in there, but I stirred it in really good, and I mixed it up. It looks good. Even got a little whipped cream on top. It's got a great crust. It's just a little poop. Not, not, but it's a great pie. You want a piece? Nobody going for that, right? But man, we eat the slice the devil serves up a lot. He serves up a nice piece of pie. It's just got a little doo-doo in it. 
I'll take that. So you bind my word, you shall become what? Now before you're free, disciples. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So before free indeed, guess what we've come? Disciples indeed. See, a disciple means a pupil, it's a student, it's a learner. It actually wasn't just somebody that learned for the sake of knowledge. It was a learner that actually became the person they were learning from. They actually exhibited the characteristics of their teacher. So Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you're going to be a living word. You're going to be a disciple that actually looks like the word you're abiding in. He says, if you abide in my word and it permeates you and you submit to it, you'll become a disciple. And when you become a disciple, then and and at the same time, you'll know the truth. And the truth will do what? Set you free. See, so often we get deceived because we don't know the truth, so we can't tell if it's a lie or not. You know, when they hire people to, to, to check for counterfeit money, guess what they don't study? They don't study the counterfeit. They study the authentic and the genuine $100 bill. And they know every little marking on it, every little, uh, like when you twist it, whatever that thing's, hologram, whatever, it, they know all that. So instantly when they see a counterfeit, it doesn't line up. And so when you abide in the word and you become a disciple, then you will know. That word know, gnosko in the Greek, means to know experientially. It means to come to know. It's not head knowledge as much as it is experiential knowledge. It's the same word that was used to talk about the intercourse or relationship that a man and woman have. It's that you might know my wife, but you don't know my wife the way I know my wife. And you better not. I'll be, I'll be hurting you. So I know her at a different level because of the intimacy I have with her. And what he's saying is when you become a disciple, you're going to intimately begin to know the truth. And when you know the truth, the falsehoods of the enemy will show up and instantly you'll say that's a lie. Otherwise, like, I don't know. Is that the truth or is that not the truth? You remember when Jesus, before he went to the cross, Pilate said, I don't know, what is truth? You remember that? Jesus, he says, are you a king? Jesus said, you said it. Jesus says, I came for this purpose, to bear witness to the truth. All of Jesus' life, everything he did bore witness to the truth of God's word. And so if you want to know what truth looks like, look at Jesus, look at the word. And everything else will just stand out like a sore thumb. So contrast to uh, that, the next slide. Contrast that to the enemy. Satan just doesn't have a little untruth. Guess what he has? No truth. There's no truth. It says he was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Here's what I know. If the knowledge of the truth sets me free, then every form of bondage begins with a lie. 
If you're stuck in something today, if you go back far enough, it's because at some point in time you bought into a lie. Whether that's about who you are, whether that's about your identity, whether it's about your gender, whether it's about your, the potential that you could have to serve in God's kingdom, whatever it is, if you're in bondage to something, it has its roots in a lie. Because if you knew the truth and you were a disciple and you were in the word, you wouldn't have been there in the first place. Next slide. If the knowledge of the truth brings freedom, then every form of bondage is rooted in a lie. All right. So here we go. I want to give you three warning signs today. You guys, got, you wrote them down ahead of time, I hope. How do I know if I bought into a lie? What would be a symptom? Do I have a cough? Do I got a headache? Am I tired? Am I congested? Or maybe I'm, I got no sniffer. So here's a few of them. This is not, this is not a, an exhaustive list. I just want to pull three out of this passage. Number one, denying the situation. Now this has got to be one of the funniest verses in the Bible. All right, so Jesus tells them, he says, whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. He's telling these people. And they answered, and they said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we'll be made free? Now think about this. This is almost funny. These are Jewish people. Did you guys ever hear of Exodus or Genesis? Did you ever hear of the Egyptians? We have never been in bondage to anyone. They were in bondage to the Egyptians. <laughs> they were in bondage to the Chaldeans. They were in bondage to the Babylonians. They'd been in bondage to the Syrians. And while he's saying this, they were in political bondage to the Romans. They're in Rome. They had to pay Roman taxes. A Roman soldier could come up and say, hey, dude, carry my backpack. A Roman mile, a thousand paces. And they had to do it. That's where, that's where Jesus said, if somebody compels you to carry it for a mile, carry it too. So did you ever know anybody that was like, I've never been in bondage? Maybe that's you. Talk about living in denial. Did you ever hear that phrase, you, you, hopefully your mother told you, never say never, never say always? Don't ever say never. Never say never, never say always. Did you ever go up to somebody in the midst of what they're stuck in? They're like, dude, you got a problem. And they're nodding off. No, don't. No, don't. I was that guy, not nodding off. Not shooting up. Thank God I had a dad that came along one time and said to me, son, you got an anger problem. No, I don't. No, I don't. 
when we talk about somebody that come out of the box, if you knew the old me, you wouldn't like me. You may not like me now, I don't know. I was a really mean, rageful, like demonically possessed, awful person. Like pulling the door off hinges type kind of stuff. Like the hawk would come over me. And people would bring it up like, I don't have a problem, what are you talking about? I, was, I just lived in denial. And thank God my dad was consistent. And I just, I'll never forget, I don't play golf anymore, but at the time I did, we're on, we're on hole number 11 at the country club, second shot, and he stops the car and said, you need help. And I'm willing to pay if you'll go. I'm like, go where? <laughs> Can we talk about the terms of it? Where am I going? <laughs> he said, well, you need to go to counseling. I was like, I don't want to go to counseling. Long story short, that didn't really fix me, but let me tell you, counseling is miserable. You ever, like, it's good, but it's awful. So Kristen and I would drive to, this, was, this wasn't like neighborhood counseling. This is in Timonium, Maryland. Anybody know where Timonium is? North of Baltimore. We drive two hours plus to counseling. We meet with the guy, and he says, ooh, you're so bad, you need a double session. So we would drive two hours, and then we'd have two hours of double counseling, and then we drive, and the two hours back was somehow longer than the two hours down. Like, I don't know how that works. Like, it was the same time, but it was a long, quiet ride. That's all I can say. But through a process of time, a process of God's Word, and, and, and me being filled with the Holy Spirit, God delivered me of that completely. But it starts with acknowledging you got a problem. But too many people just live in denial. I'm good. I'm okay. I don't have a problem. Exactly what these are doing. Here's what I know. The only people that can't be delivered are the ones that refuse to acknowledge they have a problem. Or aren't aware of it. The person that can't... So Jesus can deliver anybody. Let me tell you that. But it's up to you. So if you don't know or you're not willing, you're going to stay where you're at. Next slide. I just said that. The person that can't be set free is the one that doesn't know they're in bondage or they refuse to acknowledge it. Number two. Mm, here's a good one. We're not just going to sin. We're going to really choose to sin. <laughs> right? Hey, there's, what's the Bible say? There's pleasure in sin. Sin's fun. Yeah, for a season. That's the cat. Okay. Pleasure in sin, dot, 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 for a season. Like, who doesn't like to sin? Like, I loved it. It was great. Like, let's go get a 12-pack. Let me get a large pizza. Man, let's, uh, whatever. I love it. Till the consequences set in. Right? It's fun for about two hours. Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. So that whoever is kind of broad, right? Does that mean that everybody that sins is a slave of sin? Now, on first read, it sounds that way. Let's just face this. Everybody sins, right? I want you to raise your hand if you never sin. All right, everybody sin. You know what? I, I got to tell you, that even my wife, Kristen, occasionally, once in a great while, will sin. I, I, know, I know it's hard to believe. She's like been nominated for sainthood, but, but once in a great, great while... You know, she'll let something slip. Man. She's 
course, that's not good enough, right? Now, this word, it says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. So this word commit doesn't actually mean the uh, like an occasional lapse in judgment, that you make a wrong decision, that you've, you know, oh, man, I got tricked into doing that, and I did it. What was I thinking? This is somebody, the word commit here actually means to formulate a plan to do something. Now, I know everybody at some point in time has formulated a plan to sin, right? Hey, meet me down the street, 9 o'clock, go behind the sheets. Um, I'll be walking by in a blue shirt. Um, you flash your lights twice, and then we'll hook up. <laughs> Absolutely not. There's probably a little more color to the story than that. So I'll let you add your own color. I'll just give you the skeleton. I'll let that slide. Thank you. So this is, this, this is somebody that is so into living a life, it's a, really a habitual lifestyle of sin. It's that you're not just, I messed up, Lord, I repent, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that, and you move on. It's that you're formulating a plan, you're committed to living a habitual lifestyle of sin. You're choosing to sin. See, here's what happens. When you were unsaved, you didn't have a choice. You had an old sin nature, you were under the power of the old nature. When you accept Jesus, the old man dies. Now, he does leave his imprints on your flesh. But the old man's dead. He no longer has any power whatsoever over you. When you sin after you're saved, it's because you chose to do it. People are like, it's, it's a disease. Shut up. <laughs> I get so sick of, it's a disease. Well, okay, Jesus will heal it. Forget about it. You know, just say what it is. I choose to do this. Now, nobody online better clip this statement because it will get me in a lot of trouble. God is pro-choice. Not in the way we think of pro-choice. I'm not talking about abortion. I'm talking about that God will honor your choice no matter what it is. He will love you right to the gate of hell, but allow you to choose it. See, he's not up here, Mr. Puppet Master, making you say yes, 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 or no, no, no. He gave us a choice. Even Moses in the Old Testament says, I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and just in case you don't know, choose life. It's very similar to what Paul says in the book of Romans chapter 6, verse 16, on the next slide, which says, don't you realize, this is from the Passion Translation, get this, grace frees you to choose your own master. Grace frees you to choose your own master, but choose carefully. For you surrender yourself to become a servant, bound to the one you choose to obey. If you choose to love sin, it will become your master and it will own you and reward you with death. If you choose love and to obey God, He will lend you, lead you into perfect righteousness. You have a choice. You have a choice. And if you're choosing to sin on purpose, 
willingly choosing to do it, then you're a slave to sin. You're in bondage when you're actually positionally free. You're free, but you're choosing to live in bondage. Next slide. You have a choice. You can choose to live in habitual sin or walk in the freedom he's given you as sons and daughters. Final one. Next slide. Dismissing the word. Dismissing the word. This is a good one. Not really. It's a bad one. It's bad. Don't want to dismiss the word. What's he say? He says to these guys, he says, they says, hey, we're Abraham's seed. We have a spiritual heritage. Anybody ever said that? Well, I ain't. My, my grandma mom was saved. My mom was saved. I got, uh, uh, I'm a Christian. I ain't bondage. Jesus says, I know you're Abraham's seed. I know it. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. He said, what you don't realize is you're doing what you're doing because you've never given place to my word. You've actually shut the door on my word. And I want to, I want to just, do you remember the story in Mark chapter 2 that where there was the guy that was paralyzed, the paralytic man, he had four friends and they carried him on a mat to get to Jesus. You guys remember that story? And when they got to the house, what happened? They couldn't get in. So you know, they took him to the roof and they cut a hole and let him down. Well, the same word is used in Mark 2, but opposite, okay? So I just wanted to show you this picture. It says again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and he heard that, and they heard it was he was in the house, speaking of Jesus. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room, same word in the Greek, no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to him. So here's the, here it is in reverse. In this story, Jesus is in the house, right? He's in the house, and he was preaching, and people hear he's preaching. And everybody comes to the house so that the house is full, standing room only, windows, doors, and here comes this guy trying to get to Jesus. Their friends are bringing him, and it said they can't even get in, not even at the door. No room at the end. The opposite is true, is that Jesus, the Word, is trying to come into your life but you've got your house full of a bunch of other stuff. What you're renewing your mind to, what you're putting in front of your eyes, where you're going, what you're doing, who you're associating with, your house is full. My house is full. i got no room for the Word of God. Or maybe you'll say, ah, you know what, i got this little room over here on the side. We'll let the Word in over here, but the rest of the house, i got my own stuff in. And Jesus says, you're doing what you're doing because you've not made room for my word in your heart or in your house. So I was talking to the guys this past week. And a lot of people say, well, man, I just want delivered now. And I love that because Jesus, it says the anointing breaks the yoke. And I've seen people delivered instantaneously, right now, walk away, never have an issue again. I love that. But then there's also the time when you've got to give the Word time to work. See, you just didn't fall into the situation and bondage you're in overnight. There was a series of decisions. There was a whole bunch of thoughts. There was a whole bunch of planning. There was a whole bunch of actions, a whole bunch of habits. 
that puts you into the thing that you're stuck in right now. And you got to give the Word time to work, to change you, to conform you to the image of Jesus, to point out your, your wrongdoing, to show you what you should be doing. See, the Word is a seed. The seeds, most of them don't spring up overnight. you got to give them time to work. But it will work. Next slide. Let's kind of close with this. 2 Timothy 3.16, everybody knows this verse. This is out of New Living. All Scripture inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to do, what is right. you got to give the Word access to your life. I have the worship team back. I want to close the day with um, I, want to, I want to pray for you today. You know, there, there's I want you to think about these three things. I want you to think for a minute. Have I been living in denial? Have I been just like Saying, no, I'm okay, I'm all right, I don't have an issue, thanks, but no thanks. So if you're living in denial, the first thing you can do is just say, acknowledge it. You know what? I've got an issue. It's okay. It's okay. We love you, and here's the good thing. Better than that is God loves you. God loves you, and he's already taken care of it. Maybe you're, maybe you're on number two. Maybe you know you're to that point where you're, Making a choice to live a certain way. Well, what you need to do is make a choice not to live that way. If you've already accepted Jesus, you choose. If you've not accepted Jesus, then today's the day to accept Him and, and, and the power of sin can be done away with in your life. Maybe you've just not been abiding in the Word. Right? You've been shutting the word out. You're saying, you know what? It's like a, anybody like the Chinese buffet like I do? Right? But I don't eat, I don't eat everything on the buffet. There's only certain things I really like to eat. And a lot of times that's how we approach God's word. You know, well, I'll take a little of this and a little of that. And I think I'll skip the fried frog legs and the squid. But see, all of it is good. So you need to have an open door to the Word of God, which is Jesus Himself, to come in and start working on and, and, and changing you. Just stand up. So if you're here today and don't know Jesus, I just invite you to come forward. We'd love to pray with you. If you have any other issue in your life you need freedom from, uh, we're here to pray with you, stand in agreement with you, and uh, we love you. Just give you time to take a few minutes and as we sing uh, we'll be here at the front I'm at the highest one welcome I was lost but he brought me oh his love for me
You are for me 
from a guy that was a, uh, he's a Danish philosopher and also a theologian, Soren Kierkegaard. He said, there's two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. So you can either believe a lie or you can reject the truth. Either one, you're falling into deception. Not just one or the other, it could be either. So Father, today I pray today for each person here, each person listening online. God, we just declare the freedom that's in Jesus over each person. Father, we stand against every lie of the enemy. We bind him in the name of Jesus and tell him to hit the road. Father, I pray that each person will not only experience or not only live with the, the, the knowledge that they are free, that they're free, but they'd live it experientially also, Lord. They'd experience the freedom that only you provide. Lord, I just bless you today. Bless these people in your name. Amen.